The reading this morning is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. My pack off. There we go. We did it. We're doing it, guys. Winning. All right. Um, this morning, we, we approach a text that's talking specifically about spirits, and uh, that can be uncomfortable. Um, I mean, right from the get-go, it can be something that makes us a little uneasy. I have not had many situations in my life where I was convinced that I was kind of in the presence of something that was evil, demonic kind of overt activity. I haven't had many of those. I've had plenty of times, probably just like you, where I could see the light in a situation. There was joy, there was uh, gladness, there was praise, there was worship. I've been in a lot of situations where it just seemed like the darkness was uh, there. It hung thick in the air. It was uh, a veil over things, it obscured things, it hid things. I could feel that. But I haven't had many situations in my life where I was convinced that I was actually in the presence of something demonic. I tend to be kind of skeptical about these kinds of things. Not that they really exist, but just in my day in and day out experience, I've seen people that have kind of gravitated towards explaining all things in lights of spiritual activity. Um, and then I've seen other people that go the other way and just completely neglect it altogether. For me, I, I want to see that there would be some sort of uh, extraordinary evidence kind of given uh, for extraordinary claims. And so I just tend to be more skeptical in that way. However, about five years ago, I was leading a, uh, a mission trip from this church. Uh, people from this church had gone uh, out with me to Ethiopia. We had gone with another organization, and uh, two of us were asked to go uh, from local pastors to go pray for a young lady that was experiencing uh, some sort of oppression. And we were told that when we got there that it was going to be very heavy. You see, in Ethiopia, there's one mental health hospital, or there was at least at the time, and it was in Addis Ababa, and we were out many, many uh, hours from, uh, from that city, probably uh, several days walking uh, to Addis. And so if somebody had some sort of mental illness, if they uh, had something uh, spiritual that was happening to them, there was no place for them to go and get care. It was very unusual. And so 
we heard about these two widows that uh, had taken in something somewhere between 8 to 12 orphans, and they were uh, living in these two kind of side-by-side uh, center block. They shared a wall, uh, huts with a metal roof, and uh, these kids were like living in that area. It was not a, um, it was a very, very impoverished, uh, kind of dark area of the city, and here were these kids, and we were invited into a home where we found the young woman that we were there to pray for. And whether uh, by way of mental illness or by something other, some sort of spiritual oppression, uh, she had a few years earlier started to uh, remove her clothes full time. She started to uh, just live a naked lifestyle. And then that kind of gave way to actually hurting herself and the other kids that were in the care of these two ladies. And absent of really any kind of like appropriate response, the only thing that they could do was have a pole installed in the middle of this windowless hut. And they bound her hands behind her and just put her against this pole. And that was her lifestyle. We came in and just the the darkness of that situation was just there. It was so heavy and so oppressive. And, uh, you know, she was only partially clothed and she was kind of writhing and she was uh, speaking uh, not in park, but she was speaking just nonsense. And, and we didn't know. We didn't know one way or the other. Was this something that was happening to her mentally or was this demonic possession? It certainly had that feeling. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not an expert in these kinds of things. Uh, but what it was was the uh, unequivocal effects of sin in this world. It had taken over uh, this young lady, and we were there to pray for her. We didn't know anything about her uh, uh, starting at that time, uh, before or after. We just came and we prayed and uh, never heard anything uh, after that. And it was dark. I don't know whether, what that was, but I know that when we start talking about spirits, things can get really scary. I was pretty scared in that situation. The, those of us who had never seen anything like that were very afraid. And so when we approach a passage like this, we can kind of tend to do a few things. We can say, oh, uh, it's talking about spirits. I have no kind of concept of what that is, so we can just tune out. Just completely tune out of that conversation. This just doesn't confront my reality. Or there are some others that can kind of zone in. They can kind of zero in on the spiritual. And then everything in their life becomes interpretable through uh, demonic activity or uh, angels or some kind of guardianship over them. They can kind of zoom in. Or we can get afraid and kind of run away. What I think that John wants us to do, what I think that the Spirit of God wants us to do this morning with this passage is to listen closely. So may I pray for us that that might be our experience this morning. Bow with me. Father, help us to listen closely to you this morning, to your word. I pray that you would build up the body here at City Church and that you would be doing the work that only you can in the revelation of your kingdom. Show your children your love. Show them your care this morning. Help us be forever changed. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The primary point this morning that I kind of get out of this passage that I've uh, spent some time kind of synthesizing and bringing about is that the spirit of truth is far greater than the spirit of error. The spirit of truth is far greater than the spirit of error. 
And this morning, with such a simple kind of topic, we've got four points, not our normal three, but they come to us by way of questions this morning. So I want to ask uh, two sets of questions. I want to ask two questions about spirits. I want to ask the question, what spirits? What are these spirits that John is talking about? I want to also ask the question, how do you test the spirits? Those seem like two very logical questions to kind of pull out of this passage. The second set of questions aren't about spirits, they're about you. I want for us to ask the questions, these two questions, where are you from and who are you listening to? The question, where are you from, is one that we always get asked. Where where are you from? This passage is going to have something to say about that. So we've got two sets of questions in front of us this morning. But verse 1 starts off just by saying, Beloved, we need to be reminded that John is writing this letter to these churches in Asia Minor, and he's writing specifically to believers. He's not writing to a general audience. He's not writing to the Jews there in synagogues. He's writing to people that are believers. They are beloved of God. In verse 4, it kind of re-emphasizes this, calling them little children, and we're reminded that over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how we are adopted sons and daughters of God. We actually have a father, and that's who John is writing to this morning. John has been fighting against false teachers of false gospels, and he ultimately wants you to know that there are portrayers, purveyors of fake news. It's not a new thing. It's not something that uh, just came about in the last few years. There were always false teaching from false teachers. There have always been false gospels, and John's going to go straight at it. But what he wants us to know is that he anticipates the questions that we're asking this morning. How do you actually know what is right? How do you know what is true? How do you discern between fake news and truth? How can you know what is true? Is there any more essential question than that? How can we discern? How can we see what is real, especially when we're dealing in the spiritual world? This realm of things that is unseen. We know that God is a spirit, that he does not have a body like man. That's God the Father. And he lives in a spiritual world. He commands a spiritual world. He also created this world that we live in. He installed the kingdom of Christ and he's revealing that. So there's nothing to be afraid of when we think about the spiritual world. Why? Because God is overarchingly, all empoweringly over that world. So there's nothing to be afraid of. But John wants us to ask a few questions. The first one that he wants us to ask is, what are the spirits? What are the spirits that he's talking about in verse 1 when he says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Now, this is a good time for Bible study. This is where we might start off just by making a few observations. When it says, do not believe every spirit, what we've got to come to terms with, especially those of us who don't think about the spiritual world very often at all, is just to know there is such a thing. There are these spirits that are constantly trying to interact with this world, that are trying to purvey some kind of gospel to us, and we have to know there really are spirits. There really are demons. There are spiritual beings like Satan. And we say that out loud, and of course, if anybody was to be filming this and sending it out to the world, they would think that we're crazy to talk about anything that is immaterial. But here it is. We've got to make the observation that there are are spirits. And some of them are from God, and some of them are not from God. That's what John is telling us this morning. And what he's telling us specifically is not to believe them. 
So we've got to understand and just observe that spirits have something to do with faith and truth. Spirits have teachings. Anything that's trying to teach you might be caught up in a spirit that is trying to give you something, convince you of something, bring you into something, impress on you something, some kind of teaching. And what John says is, do not believe all of them. Spirits have something to do with these kinds of teachings. How do we know? We see right there in the next verse, for many false prophets have gone out. These spirits have something to do even with prophetic teaching, even false teachers. And we kind of understand, I think, three ways that John is trying to teach us about these spirits. We understand them generally, specifically, and pneumatically. Generally, specifically, and pneumatically. What do I mean by that? First, generally. There is a spiritual world every bit as real as our world. There are spiritual influences. There are winds of doctrine that kind of blow through. So it's not necessarily talking about specific beings. In a very general way, there are just spirits that are kind of running through the course of human history, trying to convince you of something. We see this by way of doctrines. There are uh, are winds of doctrine that are blowing and trying to shape things that are happening in human history. And so we just understand not them necessarily as beings, but as influence, as influencers. There may be spiritual beings that are influencers in the spiritual realm, but we know something about this as just an influence. They're trying to influence you. So in a general way, spirits used in this context is an influence. It's a teaching, whether false or from God and real and true, there are influences. But second is specifically, John isn't just talking in general terms, he's talking specifically about false prophets. In verse 5, he even refers to those false prophets as they, and they're teaching something specific. So he's not just talking about it in some overarching, conceptual, general kind of way, he's talking about specific people. In fact, he's writing to these churches that would have known these false teachers, these spirits, as it were, as specific people with specific names and a specific doctrine. In fact, we're going to even be discussing, we're going to see John tell us what it is that they were teaching. So first generally and then specifically, but then last pneumatically. Now you might be thinking, I know something about engineering, you're using that word incorrectly. You can look it up. The dictionary version of pneumatically actually means having to do with spirits. And I mean this maybe even in a more grand sense. The Greek word pneuma is the Greek word for spirit. It's used 160 times in the New Testament that way. And it's always used the same way. I I mean that to say that it's always using that like Greek root word of pneuma. Regardless of what it's referring to, it's talking about spirit. Okay, that was, they were kind of limited in by a specific word. And so what we really have to do in order to understand what it is that John is talking about or what Paul might be talking about when he uses that word pneuma is to actually look at the context to know what kind of spirit it's talking about. So this morning, I want to do that. Verse 3 talks about the spirit, the pneuma of the Antichrist, which you heard was, uh, was coming and now is in the world. So we get the first spirit that we are hearing about in some pneumatic way is a spirit of Antichrist. So it's not just a general thing. It's not these specific teachers. It's actually the spirit of Antichrist. But then we also see in verse 2, by this you know the spirit of God. 
Now, the Spirit of God there is still using that same word, the pneuma, and it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the expression, the third person of the Trinity. It's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, what we will see later referred to as the Spirit, capital S, Spirit of Truth. And so we also get these pneumatic kind of bigger story, cosmic spiritual battle kinds of pneuma, and that is the Spirit of the Antichrist and the Spirit of God. We see this kind of cosmic world playing out really from the beginning to the end. We see it in Genesis where the uh, pneuma, the spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit against God is actually the devil. He actually uh, is there. He's represented in snake form. He gives lies. He gives teaching. He uh, says things about God that are not true, and we see it right there in the very beginning. We also see that this is the cosmic story of war between that Spirit and the Spirit of God, which is seeking to redeem all things. We see it in Revelation when God wins the war once and for all. He won it at the cross, but He is going to fully reveal His kingdom. He's going to send Jesus riding in on a white horse, commanding storehouses of hail built up and stored for the day of God's wrath and judgment. We see that there is an actual spiritual war that is happening. So we can sit here in this air-conditioned room and we can think that the spiritual realm is not real, that the pneuma is not affecting us, and that's not true. There are general pneumas, there are specific false teachers, and there are, of course, spirits of Antichrist working against God's ways and His wantings, and then there's the Spirit of God, which is working, of course, to reveal the kingdom. So we see these things revealed in these three ways, and what we need to know is that they play a part in this ultimate cosmic spiritual war, and every teaching has a spiritual genesis with a spiritual purpose. So a spiritual genesis with a spiritual purpose. Verse 6 says that the spirit of truth is against the spirit of error. So that's where we get part of our uh, primary point this morning, that the spirit of truth is far greater and grander than the spirit of error. So it's vital to know what to believe and what is true or untrue. Do you want to know what is true or untrue? Do you want to know whether or not you are living in the realm of the spirit of the Antichrist or whether you are living in the spirit of truth? Do you want to know? John says, test the spirits. So how do you test a spirit? How do you test a spirit? Verse 2, it says this, by this you know that every spirit that confesses, in fact, it uses that word confesses twice to point out this distinction between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So you can know something by testing the spirits. Every spirit that confesses one thing or confesses the other is going to put it into context. So we need to know and we need to know what they confess. The word know here is gnoskete. Okay, so this is, you're going to hear that word uh, almost at the root of it, the word know, the knowledge. You're going to need to know something that the word that is used there in the Greek means to know. And I think that what John is doing is specifically taking aim at these Gnostics, these false teachers that have come around and said that you need some sort of special knowledge in order to be a real Christian. And it has something to do with the spirit 
You need special knowledge. Why? Because the flesh is bad and the spirit is good. That's what the Gnostics are saying. And John is going to take direct aim at that with the gospel. But we don't just need to know. We need to uh, know what they confess. There is this uh, Greek word here, the homologi, which is uh, literally, you can hear the word there, homo, same, logi, talk. Study the same kind of knowledge, saying the same thing, the same talk, the consenting, the agreeing with is a confession. So verse 2 is saying, by this you will know that every spirit and by what it confesses. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. Why? Because Jesus Christ had a body. What these false teachers had done was they had come into the church, they had infiltrated, and they had said, hey, we already know that all things that are spiritual are good, false, and that the body, all things that are material are bad, false. And so what they do is they come along and they say, ergo, Jesus Christ couldn't have had a body because then he would have been bad. And what John is going to say is, no, no, no. His having a body is right at the heart of the gospel. You need to test the spirits. You need to know what is true and untrue. How do you know? You can see what they confess. Everyone who confesses, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is from God. Why? Because Jesus had a body. And then it gives us another test. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. The Gnostics clearly aren't going to agree with this. The Gnostics don't agree that Jesus Christ had a body. So what we ultimately see buried here in this text is John teaching a doctrine. He's teaching the doctrine of the hypostatic union between Jesus Christ's spirit, his perfection, his godliness, and also at the same time, his fleshliness meaning that he was made, he was incarnate, that he came to be here with us, that he had a real body. What we need to know is is that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, upholding the universe by the word of his power, and that he is the word become flesh, come here to dwell amongst us. That's the hypostatic union. Children, can you say hypostatic union? Great. I didn't even expect any of that, okay? So we, we are seeing that there is something specifically different about who Jesus is, and you cannot deny it. Why? Because there are spiritual forces that are trying to cause disbelief in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is a serious business. Jesus is the God-man. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So, what should we do with that information? Do not believe spirits that do not confess Jesus. Do not believe spirits that don't confess Jesus has come in the flesh to be with us. By this, you know the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God loves to illuminate Jesus as he actually is. Have you ever wondered, uh, uh, what is the Holy Spirit's job? Is the Holy Spirit's job just to exist? 
in perfection, to be either in heaven with God the Father and the Son forever, or to be uh, there in the Holy of Holies, cloaked behind some curtain there in a holy place. No, the, the Holy Spirit delights in his duty to illuminate who Jesus Christ is. We see it time and time again. The spirit of truth is going to try to tell us about who Jesus actually is. John 16 says this, Jesus says this about his needing to go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Jesus Christ dwelt with us so that the Holy Spirit can dwell in us. Jesus is really specific. This is a huge part of the gospel. You understand that the gospel isn't just that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, made man, living a perfect life, dying on a cross, raising the third day, and then ascendant to heaven only one day to come again. That's not the only part of the gospel. The other part of the gospel is that you get the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Jesus tells his disciples that he's got to go away. And they're very confused by that. They're like, but you're here. You're here with us. And he says, I've got to go away so that the helper will actually come. Jesus Christ came to dwell with us but he went to send the Spirit so that the Spirit might dwell in us. That is a beautiful part of the gospel that we often neglect. But what confidence building is there in that truth that you have God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth living inside of you? What a majestic gospel we have. It says this, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Disciples have the Holy Spirit of God. And and you might even hear that like the disciples, like the apostles, and that's true. If you want to know what power there is in the Holy Spirit, all you need to do is look at the disciples' lives. They were there with Jesus. They were walking the same roads as him. They were eating the same foods as him. They were hearing his teachings. And of course, they were just the glory of God. No, they weren't. They were buffoons. Jesus would come sometimes and deliver the gospel message to them. And it would, honestly, if we can take a look at it in the scriptures, we would say, uh, that's not totally clear, Jesus. And then other times he would look at the disciples and he would say, I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to raise from the grave. And they would go, what is he talking about? But then the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in them. After Jesus has ascended, the Holy Spirit is in them. What's the first thing that they do? They have revelation of knowledge. They finally understand what it is that Jesus Christ was trying to teach them all of this time. They immediately start proclaiming the gospel and doing so in power. If you want to know how important the Holy Spirit is, look at the disciples. They go from sheer buffoonery to knowing things in the power of the Spirit, doing miracles in the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. If you want to know how important the Spirit is, you can see how seriously Jesus takes the Spirit. So what we need to know this morning is that what we're talking about is crucially important. The Spirit of truth comes and guides us into all knowledge, and the disciples give us a perfect before and after picture for us. And then it says this, every spirit that does not confess is in the spirit of the Antichrist. 
And I think that it means this in a literal way. It's not talking about like an end times figure that you might have imagined because you've read Revelation one time. That's not what he's talking about. It's literally talking about the Antichrist. It's talking about spirits that work against Christ, that speak against Jesus. These false teachers were speaking against the body of Jesus. But of course, today we face all kinds of spirits that are opposed to to Jesus Christ in his divine revelation, in his divinity, in his bodiliness that he came here to love and to serve us. We see spirits all the time that speak against these things. And what are they? They're spirits of antichrist. They're influenced by the spirit of error. So I wonder whether or not you do this. I wonder whether or not you test the spirits. Do you test the spirits? This is, it's a weird way of thinking about it, but I think about this uh, this way often when I confront texts like this. This is a matter of obedience. John isn't suggesting it. He isn't saying like, hey, if you get around to it, test the spirits, try it on, it's good, it's great, just try it on. No, he's saying, do not, don't for one second believe every spirit, but test them. This is a matter of obedience. Test the spirits all the spirits in every teaching to see what they say about Jesus. You might be tempted to think, but they don't. I listen to TV shows all the time. They're not talking about Jesus. I consume news all the time. It's not talking about Jesus. Yes, it is. It's got spirits in there that are saying something about who Jesus is. And here we see that if uh, spirits are from God, they are in the spirit of the truth, Or they are not from God and they are in the spirit of error. So I wonder, what about you? What about you? Have you tested the spirits recently? Have you made a practice of testing the spirits? Do you know how to test the spirits? Have you made a common practice between you and your spouse of testing the spirits of whatever teaching they're receiving to see if it is from God or not from God? Here we see that you can plainly test them and see if they are from God or not from God. But then I wonder, what about you? Are you from God or are you not from God? That, that's the next question that we get, uh, kind of switching between the questions that we're asking about spirit to the questions that we're asking about you. The question is, where are you from? Of course, we have all of these pleasant conversations all the time. What do you do? Where are you from? This is the question. Where are you from? Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. If you confess, if you consent, if you agree with the spirit of truth about Jesus, then you are a child of God, from God. What encouraging news. We see John doing this all throughout his letter of trying to build up confidence in you. Where are you from? This passage wants you to know if you believe in Jesus Christ, come in fleshly form, you're from God. You're a child of God. If you are a child of God, then you have overcome, this says, the spirit of Antichrist. How can John possibly say that? How can John uh, say that if you uh, truly believe in Jesus, that you have overcome, that you are from God, and that you have overcome the evil one? 
Little children, verse 4, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's what this passage is saying to us. We have overcome because he who is in you, the spirit of truth that is in you, the spirit of truth that Jesus sent to be in you is greater than he who is in the world. What a magnificent statement that John is making by the power of the spirit here. He's saying that you have the omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, omnitruthful Spirit of God actually in you. And of course, if you do, then you have overcome the one who is in this world. You've overcome those general spirits that are trying to pull you away from teachings about Christ. You've overcome the false teachers because you can spot them from a mile away. Why? Because you've got the omnipotent power of the Spirit of God inside of you testifying to what is true. Listen, here's the truth. I hear about people in this church, myself included, all the time kind of consuming things that are of a different spirit, if we're being honest. For many of us, we actually feel uh, shaped by that often more times than we do the Word of God. We spend a lot more time uh, binging on TV shows or listening to our favorite news source than we ever do just communing with God, praying to God, testing the spirits to see whether or not God is in something. And so we're foolish if we don't think that we're shaped by it. Of course we are. It may not come out. A lot of times we consume lots of media with all kinds of words that we would never say. It would never come out of our mouth, but we're not all that surprised when we start hearing those swear words like pop up in our attitudes towards other people, right? Why? Because you're being shaped by the spirits generally. Then we also, a lot of us, go and listen to lots of different types of voices, different media sources, and we're, uh, we're, we're not surprised at all when we start wondering, questioning whether or not Jesus Christ is truly true, whether or not he's the king of kings, whether or not he's really real. We face this all the time. We ought to be doing a much better job of testing the spirits We can do that as a body, by the way. We can do that together to test the spirits together, to learn what it is like to test the spirits. But what we can do is be greatly encouraged because the one who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. His omniscient, omnipowerful, omnipresent, omnitruthful spirit is dwelling in you. But verse 5 says this, they... Are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. They are not from God. Now, now for a lot of us, you, you'll hear that word they, and it's immediately kind of triggering of something. You don't like when Christians start to distinguish between believers and the world. Why? A lot of times it's just because uh, we love the world, we want to evangelize the world, we want to go out and not put uh, unnecessarily, uh, unnecessary impediments in our way to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's good, that's wonderful, but I wonder if also some of us do that kind of juke over here when what we're really trying to do is live a comfortable life. Ought we be better suited to test the spirits if we make clear distinctions between what is of God and what is of the world. 
I think so. I think that that's what John is trying to say to us. And in the midst of all of this, he's also saying something specific to those false teachers. He's really sticking it to them. He's saying, you are from God with the indwelling Holy Spirit and you're winning. They are from the world. What was it that they came here to teach you? What was it that the false teachers came to teach these churches in Asia? That was specifically the difference of that. They were trying to say the world, the material is bad. And here John is saying, you're of the world. He's sticking it in their eye. You're of the world. You're not of the Spirit. We're of the Spirit of truth. But we follow one who came into the world. The teachers here must have been furious. And they speak not in the truth because they are not in the truth. They speak from the world, from their defeat, from their error. That's what John is trying to tell everybody. Where are you from? This is a common question. Where are you from? Can you agree with John that you are from God? Can you take a look at the way that you test the spirits and know that in testing the spirits that you are from God? Spiritually speaking, there are only two origins. I'm sure that if we went throughout this body this morning, we would find that there are people here from very surprising places. If we were to ask them where they're from and they were to give us a geography, we'd be like, wow, we actually have a lot of people from a lot of different places. But spiritually speaking, according to John, there are two places that you're from. You're either from him you're from God, you're from the spirit of truth, or you are in the spirit of the Antichrist and you're from the world. Where are you from? Lastly, who are you listening to? Verse 5 says this, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And what does it do? It listens to them. They're from the Lord's world, so they speak like the world, and then the world listens back to them. False teachers are from the world. They are not of the Spirit. They are not in the Spirit. They are not of the Spirit of truth. So they speak from a worldly perspective. It might sound really great, it might sound really nice, it might sound very established in its philosophy, but it is of the world, it will be tested by fire one day, and it will melt. God will test every spirit, and what is not from him will fall underneath his perfect judgment. False teachers are from the world. They speak like the world, so the world listens. We, verse 6 says, are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. We've got to ask a question there. What does the us mean there? He uses it twice. Who is he talking about? What he's talking about is that if you're from God, you do not listen to false teachers, but you listen to the apostolic teachers. You listen to them recount for you the true gospel, and the Spirit of God confirms it in you. So what I want us to do this morning is to get real. What voices are you listening to? What are your podcasts? What are you listening to? Are they confirming Jesus and his claim over all creation or aren't they? Are they from God or are they of the world? Are you listening to Fox News or are you listening to the Gospel Coalition or are you listening to uh, your favorite blogger? Are you listening to your uh, unbelieving friend? Who are you listening to? What are the voices? What are the spirits that are speaking into your life and are, are you testing them? It's a really important thing. 
In wrapping up, I'll just tell you a quick story. Um, it's been a few years ago now at this church. We had a group of people that started listening to what I think are false teachings. And they did not claim the truth. They were not from God. And very quickly, these brothers and sisters, what I, what I thought were brothers and sisters in Christ, walked away from the faith. Not in some kind of like uh, small, like, hey, we didn't like the way, we didn't like it when you said that thing. We feel like we're maybe able to worship a little bit better at a different place. No, at the end of the day, they came to me and said, they don't think that Jesus really had to die for sins. The, the small little spirits, the general voices led to false teachers, led to unbelief, led to listening to the world, from the world, and they left. This is serious business. I know that I even mentioned that story several times, but it's because I want to create a culture at City Church where we're just willing to call a spade a spade, where we're willing as elders to test the spirits in things and tell you when they are of the world. I want to have the boldness just to be able to tell you face to face, I think that that teaching is dangerous. I think that that spirit is of the world. I think that spirit is the spirit of the Antichrist. I think that that spirit is the spirit of error and where you'd be willing to just listen to elders. I want to create a culture at City Church where your friends that are in your discipleship group can challenge you, knowing the things that you're consuming and just be willing to say, hey, I'd be, I'd be careful of that author. I'd be weary of that uh, voice speaking into things. Not in a count, cancel culture kind of way, not in a way where we're like pulling out a microscope, looking at like obvious brothers and sisters in the faith and just being like, well, they don't agree with me on that like real secondary doctrine, so we can't listen to them. It's almost as if there's been some sort of contagion that's come in. I don't want for us to be like that, but I do want for us to be very confident in our friendships to be able to say, hey, listen, I'm not sure that I'd listen to that podcast. I'm not sure that I'd watch that TV show. I'm not sure that I'd consume that amount of news. I'm not sure that I'd look at Instagram anymore. It seems to be shaping you. It seems to be tearing you away. It seems to be causing question. It seems to be planting error in your life. I want that kind of culture at City Church. I want for us to be bold. I want for us to be willing to tell one another when we think that we're finding ourselves astray of the one true gospel. The gospel that is represented in John's apostolic teaching in the epistles of Paul in the ministry of course of Jesus in the spirit of truth what voices are you listening to are they from God or are they from the world test them are they of the spirit of truth or are they of the spirit of error the holy spirit of truth Confessing Jesus Christ is far greater than the spirit of error, the spirit of antichrist, the spirit of the world who denies Jesus. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what is the will of the Lord. Let us pray. God and Father, we thank you for the teaching here in 1 John. Father, we confess to you that uh, you have sent the spirit of truth. But so oftentimes, uh, we seek out uh, other voices, other teachings. 
We seek uh, teachers that tickle our ears. We uh, seek out entertainment that distracts us from a gospel life and teaches us that things you say in your word are sin or not sin. Father God, we just need help. We need help to be reminded by the power of your spirit to test the spirits that are in things. We need the boldness to be able to proclaim what is true and untrue. We need the uh, discipline to be in your word and have something to uh, compare teachings to. Father God, I pray that you would allow for City Church to be this kind of church. Lord, in your great grace, we ask you that you would give us the spirit of truth, that you would give us the confidence that the spirit that resides in us is confirming and disconfirming all kinds of spirits in this world. Father God, I praise you. I thank you for giving us that spirit and pray that you would give us all the more. Lord, so often we take a look at passages like this and they're spiritual in nature. They speak of a spiritual world and that causes us to walk away or to um, disregard or to be fearful. Father, I pray Uh, that you would allow for us to have great confidence and great assurance in the spirit of truth. Father God, you and you alone can accomplish all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. So we pray to you in his name. Amen.